a trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership, and the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. Oh, we have a lot to talk about. There is so much wrong think to revel in. Seriously, we could take an extra hour to do it. But we're going to make do with the time that we have. I'll be joined by Gary Welch here in just a few moments. I want to mention that we have a couple of new sponsors on the show. And, of course, you know that we have the the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. Fantastic place to go if you are looking for a new home loan or perhaps a refi on your existing home loan. For that matter, if you're looking for a home, can I recommend Jeff Staples Realty? He is with ERA Brokers Consolidated, and uh, this is especially for my listeners throughout the state of Utah. Uh, Jeff is located in the St. George area, but has uh, folks who help him all throughout the state. And and I've got the contact information there in the show notes, which you'll find at thebrianhideshow.com. Also, I want to give a big happy shout out to Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse. I stopped in and talked to Paul there yesterday. And look, I'm just going to say this. If you find that money is a little bit tight, hypothetically, because I know everybody's doing really well, the economy's never been better, prospects have never looked brighter, right? Okay, you get you get the point. If you're trying to make do on a budget and you're trying to get your food budget to stretch, you have got to check out Nikki's Food Warehouse in Salt Lake City. Now, you can find them on Facebook. That's where you will find the easiest and best directions to them. Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse. I'll be talking more about them a little bit later in the show. In the meantime, Gary, welcome. Well, Professor, uh, your student for Wrong Thinking 101 is back, and I'm ready to be educated on the principles of wrong thinking. You know, you and I were talking before we went on the air. There is so much to cover. And, and, and as much as we would like to get away from COVID for a change, um, we have some things to discuss regarding that. But, of course, the big and, I guess, somewhat unexpected news was Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away this last week. And I, I got to tell you, Gary, I'm not enough of a political insider to have picked up on this, but I never thought I would see the kind of meltdown that I am watching unfold before us right now based on her passing. And, and I don't know, is it just the timing? Did she really have that much clout in the Supreme Court that uh, everything is being turned on its head and, and and you have people openly talking about it's time to burn this thing down. Burn it all down if Trump appoints somebody before the election. Once again, we're seeing the rhetoric outpace the reasoning. Um, this is just so ridiculous that people who should know better, if you have a voice like you and I, I mean... Regardless of your audience, if you're there publicly and have a, a platform for getting this information out publicly and you advocate violence, you advocate tearing things down, you advocate no matter how you word it. And, and trust me, they're being really kind of cute with how they're wording this. But when you advocate things like this, I, I just think that that is totally irresponsible. No, I would I would agree the the question I have, and I think you're probably better suited to answer this than I am, is when did Supreme Court nominations 
suddenly become the the linchpin on which the the fate of this nation stands or falls. I thought that we had a constitutional republic with uh, divisions and checks and balances of power and three separate but equal branches that all had different competing interests. And and we're acting like, no, it all hangs on this. When did that ever come about? Well, the thing that I'm I, I think we need to look at is. There is, and, and this is where the problem comes in. And, and when your people are talking about it, they are looking at it from a government point of view of that, how this pertains to the government, how this pertains to the um, three branches of the federal government. But the reality of it is, this is a political thing. It really doesn't have a whole lot to do with government. The Constitution's very clear on how this transpires. Um, it's been being done for a very, very long time. This is not something new, and we can talk about that. But you have to understand, this is a political thing. Their guy is is the president. The Republicans have the president. They have the Senate. That's just the way the election went. If you don't like the results, you should have changed what happened in 2016. Because here's the thing. He has that power until the day that he walks out of there. This is, it's already there. It's already established. He can do this. And as long as you have the Senate in place to help you out, you got your guys there, then you're going to get it done. Had the Democrats been in charge of the Senate, what we would have is the same thing that we saw way back in 2016 when Obama was trying the same thing. Yeah, it's. I notice there's a number of politicians, and it's on both sides of the aisle, who've made uh, various statements depending on what was at stake. Was it their party's nominee or another party's nominee? Now they're having to carefully walk that back. And this is the part that gets me. I don't understand why we have such such a difficult time just sticking with the reason for which we have the Supreme Court in the first place. In other words, there there are some criteria that we should probably be looking at but nobody really seems to nobody really seems to care what that criteria is now can i lay out some of the qualities that that i have heard explained that i think make sense and please it's not do, to say professor. it's if well now professor please please it's my my head's getting big enough as it is but it's it's the idea that, that this is as you mentioned it's so political this was not meant to be a political position and i've got a friend on facebook his name is tom cranawitter I like his take on this. He says, for my part, I care very little about the sex, skin color, or ethnicity of the person nominated for the now vacant seat on the Supreme Court. I don't even care if the name includes tildes over the ends or not. I don't care if the nominee has a pleasant personality or not. If the job is to judge cases according to laws in the Constitution, not to be my future best friend. He says, now, I would prefer someone whose thinking hasn't been corrupted by law school or by practicing law in the modern progressive administrative state that has replaced our constitutional republic. But he says, I want a Supreme Court judge who will declare boldly, publicly, consistently, whenever the elected branches of government exercise any power that we the people have not delegated to the elected branches of government. He says, I want a Supreme Court judge who protects the individual liberty and private property of each and every citizen rather than aiding progressive central planners who want to control the lives and property of citizens. 
He says, I want a Supreme Court judge who understands that women's rights, trans rights, gay rights, racial minority rights, the rights of the elderly, the rights of the poor, the rights of any other group currently preferred by progressives are best protected when the laws offer equal protection for the equal individual rights of each and every citizen without any reference to group membership. He says, I want a Supreme Court judge who cares more about upholding the actual text of the Constitution than upholding Supreme Court precedents that are based on misunderstandings of the Constitution or outright lies. And that will mean filling the now vacant seat not with another Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but with a future Supreme Court jurist who in many respects is the opposite of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Gary, your thoughts? So you can't see this, but um, I'm now taking off those rose-colored glasses that I had on <laughs> as you were were saying all this. Politics is a big part of this. In fact, politics is everything involved with this. And the problem of this is there is the theoretical, and which shouldn't be theoretical, but it is a theoretical concept of what the Supreme Court is and what it is in reality. And the thing you have to understand, here's something that I don't think many people realize and that wrong thinkers like you and I are very much in tune with, is that the the role of the Supreme Court has changed because just like the executive and executive orders, where it becomes very easy to make changes without having to go through the issues of taking it through Congress and getting everybody to argue about it and vote on it and all that, well, let's just do executive orders or in the case of the Supreme Court, well, let's just get the court to decide on that of legislating from the bench. And here's the thing, a wrong thing that I'm actually going to give you is that both sides do it. They use the, and they want to stack the bench so that they can legislate from the bench. Yeah, and that's that is exactly what I'm seeing play out here in the reaction that people are having regarding, you know, oh, the, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. I mean, I, I've heard of people saying, you know, I literally stopped what I was doing and I cried for a half hour or, you know, they're just they're, they're having this freak out. No, 2020 has been hard enough. Now this. And I think, what the heck kind of life do you have to live to where that's the determinant of whether things are going well or not? Do we have a particular justice on the Supreme Court? I honestly don't think that this system was set up to, to for our happiness to depend on that. Well, Hold that thought for a second, Gary. We're going to come back in a moment. Gary Welch is my guest. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and about the process of replacing her. We're also going to talk about a, uh, a podcast you may want to check out. It's called The Court Interpreters. We'll be back in just a few moments. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, welcome back to the show. I am joined by Gary Welch, and we are talking about, among other things, we're talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the vacancy she has left on the Supreme Court. And I have to say, Gary, I was a little bit surprised because I had heard some rumblings. Well, you know, Mitt Romney is going to be the he's going to be the thorn in the side of Donald Trump. And Brother Romney has surprised me in this instance, saying he will not delay or otherwise obstruct a vote on uh, on a nominee for this uh, Supreme Court justice position. 
Boy, I wonder what back deal, backdoor deal was, you know, backroom deal was made on that one. Yeah, it does make you wonder. I mean, I heard something floated around yesterday about, well, you know, you know, Trump was considering making him secretary of state, which I thought, okay, is that a promotion or is that a punishment? Yeah, Romney, by all means, is a political creature, and uh, he he has big visions for where he wants to go and what he wants to do. So I am absolutely certain that there was some backroom deal that we're going to see either a bill being passed by him or he's going to get credit for something, or maybe, you know, they will put him into that position. Um, You know, even if Trump does win in this election, you know, that's it for him. And and everybody is starting to position themselves for 2024. Well, let me ask you this. In your opinion, is this a place where the voters need to be focusing attention or are there other places where our attention and for that matter, our efforts may be more well spent? Yes, considering the 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 world as it is, if you look at it from a perspective of not what we want it to be, we take off the rosy glasses and say, you know, this is the way it should be, which I think is a problem with a lot of liberty, liberty minded individuals is they look at the world as it should be, not as the way it is. Um, if you look at it for what it is, no, um, it really does not matter. This this whole issue is just a simple situation that Donald Trump is president. He is in pre- he's president until he leaves that office. And while he's there, the Constitution says he could put whoever he wants in the, in the Supreme Court. And as long as the Senate the Senate just basically advise and consents, that's the the t- wording used. His guy gets in, or his gal. Well, I'm trying not to lose too much sleep over it, but I have to admit, I'm concerned, and if only because of the the rhetoric that we had mentioned earlier, you know, people talking about, you know, we may have to burn this thing down. You know, I mean, I expect there are going to be riots after the election, whether it's uh, celebrating that, yay, Trump is no longer in office. More likely, I'm expecting it's going to be people flipping out because Trump was reelected and and most likely reelected in a landslide. But I don't think they're even going to wait for the election. It sounds like uh, some of the people who really want to thrive on the unrest and and the violence and intimidation, it appears they, they're looking for an excuse to pop off sooner than later. I would I would think that that would be a mistake by those who are on that side of things. Um, it, it looks like we're getting pretty tired now. Of, of using violence for your political agenda that, you know, you really pushed it this time. You really gone too far. And I think that there is going to be a very severe backlash over this. This is not worth violence. Nobody's getting killed by this. No one's dying of this. Whole populations are not being suppressed by this. This is not worth the violence. And if they do go to that angle of saying, hey, let's just try to intimidate them again, um, I think the backlash on on multiple levels will be both political and social and even from the point of like militias showing up. Um, you know, you, you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. Wow. Let's talk about uh, the court interpreters. For those who aren't familiar with this, tell me about about this uh, program. Well, I only like to bring it up because it absolutely relates to this issue. And, and here's the funny part for me. 
they they're approaching this like it is not a political thing that this that this is not political maneuvering on their parts and what we have to realize is this has been going on almost since the very beginning of the country there's there's always political maneuvers going on and so what the court interpreter is interpreters is is a show that Brian and I do where we take famous cases and we analyze them and we give you the in-depth and the background knowledge of, of these cases that had a huge impact upon the United States. And the first show we did was on the biggest case there is in history. Everybody says this is the biggest case that ever happened in U.S. history, and that's Marbury versus Madison. Well, if you look at the background of that story, that is a case of John Adams losing the election and saying, okay, before I go, I'm going to stuff the judiciary with all my people. And he went on this rampage all the way up until the day that he was leaving. They were trying to get all these these justices put into place and stuffed it. That's how far back these things kind of go. And it was a political thing. It had nothing to do with I want the right people or I want good justices. It was like, no, I want my guys in there. Well, good to see some things haven't changed. Oh, wait, uh, maybe, maybe not so good. Well, I yeah, um, and, go ahead. And so here's the point. You know, this is where I want to. This has always been this way. Get over it. Understand what this is. This is political maneuvering. And and we're trying to, like, do these justifications, you know, like, well, McConnell said this back in 2016, and now he's saying this. And, and Joe Biden said this, and Camilla Harris said this in 2016, and they're now saying that. And I'm just laughing because I'm like, okay, what part of this do you guys don't understand? They're politicians. The two things you can count on a politician, they will lie to you. They will be hypocrites. Why don't we just get over it and say, okay, you're lying to us again. You're being hypocrites again and just say, okay, cool, whatever. Let's move on. Well, I'm, uh, I guess I've set my expectations a little too high, (laughs) but uh, working within the system, um, you know, this is one of the places, as much as politics turns me off, I do believe, Gary, we have to use our influence as wisely as we can. This is something you and I will be discussing in a lot greater detail as we move forward. And, of course, not just discussing it, but inviting people who likewise feel like they've reached, reached that point where they are just they're fed up and willing to to take those steps. It's time to do something. We're going to have some productive actions that, that they can take. And then that's really, yeah, the thing that I love about the wrong thinkers and what you're doing, Brian, is we're starting to give people the information and the resources now to start changing politics in America. And until you change that, you're going to get what you're going to get. And instead of, of, of you know, crying about it and, and getting angry about it, what we should be doing is saying, let's change it. And that's on both sides. Trust me, it is just as bad on both sides of this. And because it's being escalated, it really is. It's a time for a change, Brian. Okay, so coming up, uh, we're going to take a break here in just a few moments. But uh, when we come back, uh, we were going to try to stay away from uh, from COVID. We really were. Mm. But uh, Governor Herbert has uh, made some decisions that have unfortunately made it necessary that we talk about it some more. And the governor renewed the state of emergency. And I guess today he he apparently is supposed to be making some announcements about uh, 
uh, new restrictions, new COVID restrictions going into effect. I have uh, I've been tied up the last couple of hours, so I haven't been able to see anything come through my news feeds. Um, Gary, before we break away, have you seen anything? Has the governor had that press conference yet? Has he has he said what he intends to do uh, regarding COVID? Unfortunately, like you, I've also been very busy the last couple of hours, so I haven't had the chance to check. But uh, yeah, here we go again. It keeps dragging us back, Brian. We keep we keep going like let's let's walk away. Let's let's go on to something else. And nah, we're not letting you go. Well, it's it's getting frustrating, and I know you and I aren't the only ones who feel that way. When we come back, we'll talk about what the executive in the state of Utah is doing. We'll talk about why it's most likely not warranted. And we'll have some other wrong things that we'll be reveling in and inviting you to join in. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, welcome back to the show. Want to take a moment here to uh, tell you a little bit about uh, Jeff Staples Real Estate. And I want to encourage you to go to the show notes, which you will find at thebrianhydeshow.com. Down at the bottom of the page, you'll find a lovely list of my sponsors. You'll find a way to get a hold of them, and that includes the contact information for Jeff. Look, it's a crazy real estate market right now in Utah. And and when I say crazy, it doesn't even begin to cover it. It, it, The the market is going through the roof. It's fast-paced. You need somebody who has experience and someone who has that attention to detail. And Jeff is a smart, capable, hardworking guy. He's honest. But most of all, he's connected with ERA Brokers Consolidated, which means he has immense tools at his disposal to to help you if you are looking for a home. And if you're one of the people who's fleeing, you know, one of the... uh, how can I put this um, more uh, Antifa friendly enclaves out there and coming someplace where it's a little more sane? You know, welcome. Hope you didn't bring any bad baggage with you, but we welcome you here. But if you're looking for a place, talk to my friend, Jeff Staples Realty. Again, go to the show notes, bottom of the page at thebrianhideshow.com. Look for the, the, the Jeff Staples Realty contact info. You'll be very happy you talked with him. All right, Gary Welsh is my guest, and Gary, it is time to talk a little bit about what the governor did here in the state of Utah. Um, tell me about this this emergency declaration, because I'm trying to understand it. I thought it was law in Utah that a declaration of emergency could not last for more than 30 days without a joint session of the legislature being called. But this is like the second or third time that this state of emergency has been extended, and we are way past 30 days from the first time that it was declared. What gives? So this is a classic example of defined if. You know, that that let's use words to manipulate things. So what he's saying is, I am not doing a emergency order but instead, I'm just suspending a couple of things, and then I'm going to let the health department make some decisions. Uh, you know, and of course, these decisions are regarding uh, whether or not you wear masks, whether you can get together, um, basically all the same things as in the emergency order. 
And so he's trying to do this dance, and I don't know how he's going to get away with it unless we see a scenario where the legislator legislators help him with this and saying, sure, he can. And so far, they have been very cooperative. This is a problem that you have when your 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 legislature is the same party as the governor and they're very afraid of you know basically throwing him under the bus they want to kind of support him and go with it and they shouldn't be that that it should be you know once you get in the legislature your your job is to defend the citizens of of and your constituents not to support the governor in fact it's almost you know supposed to be like a battle that you have regardless of parties but Unless there is a reaction by the citizens to to get the legislature to do something, where they're going to have to actively come out and say, no, you cannot do this, he's going to get away with it. Boy, that just frustrates me <laughs> to no end. Uh, look, I... I... <laughs> I don't think I'm that far out there on the radical scale. Of course, there are people who would strongly disagree, but I just want to get on with life. I think we have seen clearly enough that this this disease, this illness is a problem for a certain group of people. Basically, if you're over 70 years of age and especially if you have certain comorbidities, yes, it could be a life threatening situation. But for the most of most of us in society who are below the age of 70 and in reasonably good health, COVID-19 at, at worst is going to be, you know, like a bad cold. And I notice there's a lot of blame being uh, focused right now on young people in Utah County. Oh, these college students. Why, you know, they had get togethers. And Gary, I, I, I assume this means that there are still people. The fact people are upset means that there are still people who believe it's possible to hide from a virus. Your thoughts? More importantly, there are government officials out there that think that they can control it, that we have the the capacity to control this and, and, and have the ability to predict outcomes and, and have the, you know, kind of the outcomes that we want with this thing, that this thing is not going to act on its own and do its own thing and that everything is going to run the way that it's, it's supposed to. And this, so for those of you that are not in the state of Utah, where Brian and I are at and where we, we broadcast on the radio, the trigger for this was that Utah County, the second largest county in Utah, had a tremendous spike in COVID, and I'm going to use quotation marks here, cases. Because they weren't necessarily cases, they were just positive tests. That's not a case, that's just a positive test. But they had this big spike. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, here we go. We got to start shutting things down again. We got to start taking control again. We got to stop this from happening again. This is all going crazy. We need to get more restrictive with things. And the tyrannical you know, thoughts are starting to roll up again about, well, we got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. The last time they did that, how did that work out for everybody? Yeah, and and that's really my point is okay, let's 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 take a look at this cuz we you know, we look at it from uh, always about um you know, just that this is wrong, which it is. I I I'll go for that. But the other side of this is we have to look at it from the perspective of were the things that you did did they work? 
Did they meet your expectations? Did they do what you said they were going to do? And that's kind of hard because they keep changing the rules on us. Well, it's supposed to decrease. You know, we're only doing this because we want to keep the patient emissions down so that we don't overwhelm our hospitals. Then it came to, well, we want to keep the deaths. We want to try to prevent the number of deaths that are happening. And now it's changed to, well, we just want to lower the number of cases. Okay, which one is it, guys? Because they're all very different and they have different outcomes. We achieved the first one long ago. In fact, it never did happen here in Utah. The second one, the the deaths that are happening are not correlating with the number of cases. We should have a lot more deaths than what we are having. So that shows that that's being somewhat resolved. And now you're saying, well, we just don't want people to catch the germ, you know, catch the virus. Uh, okay. What uh, what fantasy science fiction world are you living in? Because we do not have that capability. And for you to think that we do, this this outbreak in Utah just basically proved everything you did, it didn't work. Right, right. It all came after all of the, the measures, the social distancing, the masks everywhere, the shutdowns. And, and uh, I don't know. There's there's a part of me that that is is frustrated enough that uh, you know I'm I just I just want to say enough I I will, I will live my life and I'm not going to give in and and yet that's inviting conflict in in the sense that uh, if you go out in public without a mask I promise you someone is going to push back they'll do it and they feel like they're they're morally justified almost like they have to do it. Because they've been been trained to, to think in terms of fear, and Gary, I'm just I'm at a loss for how do you penetrate fear that is that deep seated that uh, it's it's not even attached to reality. Well, so this whole new outbreak that has happened, actually, we should look at this as a victory because. Here's the thing: the only way that this outbreak could have occurred, which they are saying is what happens is everybody ignored the laws. The only way this occurs is you don't wear the mask, you don't practice social distancing, you are not isolating yourself. So what is that telling us? That's telling us that the citizens are starting to use nullification and that they're saying, you know what? We're not going to obey your laws. And this is where it gets to this point. Passing laws like this, don't necessarily mean that everybody's going to obey it. In this case, we see a large number not obeying it. So my response would be then, why should you pass these laws? I would like to see the legislature step up. And I I agree with you that they have been far too accommodating of uh, Governor Herbert at this point. But it's it's time for them to step up and for the people who are actually accountable to the voters to be the ones who, who take charge of this and take it out of the hands of uh, the, the health experts, the appointed experts, you know, who have, have been calling the shots to this point. Now, I don't have complete confidence even in the legislators to make all the right decisions, but at least something they do, they can be held directly accountable for. These other folks, I don't know. They seem to keep on collecting paychecks, even as they're ruining the lives of a lot of people with the best of intentions, of course. I would just like to see it stop. We'll take a quick break. Gary Welch is my guest. If you'd like to join the conversation, we'll give you that opportunity. 801-331-8113. We'll be back right after this. 
This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Hey, I mentioned I was going to say a couple of words about Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse. And, and the first thing I'm going to tell you is go to Facebook. Search them up on Facebook if you are in or around the Salt Lake area, and especially if you are trying to make ends meet. This is a place I would recommend that you go. Look, they, they do accept EBT cards. I know there are a lot of folks who are, are trying to, uh, to, to get by as best they can. And EBT cards, checks, cash, most of all credit cards. They purchase their food from a local food distribution company, and they have the lowest prices on produce and grocery items, and they guarantee everything 100% or your money back. And by the way, if you if you love to barbecue, which I love to barbecue, this is one of the reasons why I go there as often as I can, they are just knee-deep in meats. I, I checked out their deep freeze yesterday, and holy cow, buffalo ribs, yeah. How'd you like to go cook up a 19-pound rack of buffalo ribs you'll find them nikki's wholesale food warehouse hey and do me this favor if you go and you check them out and you decide hey i'm going to go and uh, buy some stuff as you're handing your money to them as you're you're paying for your your groceries there tell them i came in because i heard brian talking about you let them know that their message reached your ears all right gary welch is with me i have uh, kevin joining us on the telephone hi kevin what's happening well, Brian, uh, I have a lot to say. First of all, I disagree with you that the legislature of Utah has been too accommodating, unless you can enlighten me, because let's remember on the 20th of August, they did not extend Gary Herbert's resolution, unless you're talking about before August 20th. But then I have another question that I have some other things I want to add. I have been reading this lawsuit that uh, Mindy Croft has, or Mindy Cross has been uh, trying to file against the governor. And you're right, the governor is not supposed to extend it beyond 30 days unless legislature approval. But then somebody in the legislature, I think it was the Speaker of the House, said that this has gone beyond 170 days or something. So can they extend the legislature, uh, the executive order to 170 days with legislature approval? I'm not sure where this 170 day thing came in. That's a good question, and I don't know. Gary, do you have any thoughts? Well, yeah, so th- they can, um, but they're, they're again, the Constitution, the Utah Constitution, um, limits it to 30 days. And the idea behind that is if you don't resolve it in 30 days, we've got some major problems, and you're not supposed to. And one of the things that where I say they are supporting him is they did two things. One— is they passed legislation that, that basically says you cannot sue the governor. So all these lawsuits that you see coming up, well, our legislator just put a big old roadblock in front of you and said, hey, you cannot do oh, that. Oh, I didn't and know you that. Cannot... Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, welcome to politics okay. well, and welcome you to your government. That's why I said you, you need to enlighten me. Okay, I didn't, okay, go ahead. And then the second thing is, is, He's been doing some dancing around this this extension. Technically, he has not extended his emergency powers, but he's doing this political dance 
of saying, well, I'm going to suspend some things and I'm going to let the health department make some decisions, some critical decisions about what's going on. And so by de facto, he's extending this. And what the legislature should have done and should do is come to him and specifically say, no, you cannot do that. That is not within your powers to do so. And we're going to stop you on that. But they are not. They, they're playing the game of, well, you know, I'm not going to be part of this, but I'm not going to do anything to stop it. They're, they're playing that game with you. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, that's why I said enlighten me. Okay. Now, um, the other thing, I was just in the airport uh, in three airports. I'm up here in Idaho for a while, and I was in Billings, Montana. The minute I checked in and got sat down to wait for my plane, believe it or not, I actually took off my mask. Nobody said a word to me. In fact, you might like this, Brian. I actually had the pilot of my next flight buy me a soda. I don't know if it's because nice was strong-willed or what. He knew well and good I did not have a mask on. He bought me a soda. Um, so um, then, of course, somebody from the gate, you know, the gate agent guy came and said, oh, you, you need to have your mask on. Well, at that point, I just put it on because I had to fly out, and I really did not want to confront the guy because I know, too, that people do have jobs to do. But you might be surprised that when I was in the Seattle airport, I had my mask on, but I put it down to my chin. I didn't have it all the way on. Nobody said a word to me about it. I was being guided through the airport with uh, people who do, you know, who help blind people around the airport. No one said anything. Does that surprise you, too? Seattle's a pretty liberal area. They probably thought you were Antifa. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Kevin, I appreciate you sharing your experience with us. Thank you. And and thanks for weighing in. Uh, Gary, something you and I have talked about here, and I, and I want to get your take on it, is there is a very clear rush to avoid accountability on the part of most people in positions of authority. I, I think, you know, as much as they may say, well, the pandemic has caused this terrible economic chaos and the shutdown of all these businesses. It wasn't the pandemic. It was what they mandated. It was their overreaction and their extraordinary measures that caused the economic damage. But nobody wants to give the mea culpa. Nobody wants to say, we're so sorry. We screwed up. We shouldn't have done that. And and I'm curious if we're if we're going to see more, in your opinion, of, uh, of legislation passed absolving them from any responsibilities, giving them, uh, you know, uh, that that immunity that, that they so desperately crave. One of the scariest things that I have seen in politics, and this is not something brand new, but it's also not very old. And that is the culture in political parties of infallibility. They have become the popes of politics, is what I call them. And that when we declare things, we are infallible. We are never wrong. We are always right. And we will go to extraordinary lengths to protect that infallibility of coming out and saying, oh, sorry, we were wrong, or we changed our mind. Again, we, you know, we brought this up in the Ginsburg thing. McConnell should come out and say, yeah, you know what? We were trying to block her, you know, block Obama's nomination for the Supreme Court. Here's why we were doing it. We didn't want his guy in there. 
But no, 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 no. We've got to go and do this long explanation of all the things that they were trying to do, when in reality, you already know. It's this mentality of infallibility that, and that really bothers me because this, this, this God complex, we could stop a disease. We can do no wrong. We could control everything in this society and it will all turn out well. Yeah, scary stuff happens when people get that infallibility complex. Well, let's we've got about two minutes left here. Let's talk about some practical things that uh, we and our fellow wrong thinkers can do. What do you what do you recommend? Even if it's just where where can a person get their mind around some good nourishing reality as opposed to all the fear and and division that's keeping us in a state of panic? I want to recommend a different strategy than we've been taking. We've been arguing about mass. We've been arguing about the science, and rightfully so. But I, I would like to suggest that we take a different approach to this. I heard a new word recently, and I hope I pronounce this right. It's been one of those words that's hard for me. Cacastocracy. See, I messed it up. Cacastocracy. There you go. Okay. It is, it is a government of incompetence. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's what we should really be doing is pushing COVID from a perspective of did they achieve what they wanted to do? Did they know what they wanted to do as far as really trying to stop this disease? Things like Como and what he did in New York to cause more deaths. His, his actions caused more deaths than he did nothing. And take this approach of these guys are incompetent. We don't want them to have such powers over us, not because it's, it's you know, scary or anything like that of what's going on, but simply it's like, you guys are going to mess this up. Yep. And, and in the meantime, Cuomo's patting himself on the back, nearly breaking his arm, writing a book. Look how heroic I was. Yeah, I guess if you just tell the lie and tell it often enough and big enough, you know, there's people out there who will believe it. Well, here's what I'm going to ask of you, our listener. Please go to the com. Take a look at the website. Look at the resources for wrong thinkers that are available there. And then I would ask you, please strongly consider becoming a wrong thinker. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can actually uh, sign up to become a patron. And through a monthly donation, as little as a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, you can help support this program at our quest to speak the truth no matter the cost. Gary, thank you so much for being my guest today. I always love being on your show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.